Right. But you said something really interesting. Like when we hit rock bottom, that's when people really find their purpose, their path forward, the, you know, the clarity. That's a choice. Mm. And as corny as the like silver linings to any cloud phrase is, it's the God's honest truth. Yeah. It's up to you whether you want to see it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's so many, like my wife is still alive because we both found purpose in what was going on. She lives, she's transformed herself. She grabbed hold of what was going on That's right. when no one else would fix it for her. And, you know, I've, I've grasped what was facing me and the truth that that put upon me about what I wasn't doing to live aligned with my purpose and what my intentions were and the fact that like, I want to actually have a life that I'm in control of and I enjoy. And as hard as it may be, that's actually my choice. What is going on, my friends? Ryan Caligiuri here. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where every single week I'm reading a book, I'm condensing a book down to its poor golden nuggets. I'm contacting the author, bringing them on the show, and we're having a conversation about that book and about those golden nuggets. So, we are coming up to the holidays really soon, and I gotta let you know that I'm actually gonna be taking two weeks off for the holidays. I have family and friends coming into town, and um, it's not to say that I don't enjoy doing the podcast, but I do really enjoy catching up with friends, catching up with family, and definitely putting some time towards that. So I'm going to be putting in some good time with uh, with some loved ones over the next two weeks. So uh, I'm not going to be reading any books, not going to be working a great deal. And uh, for me, it's just an important time to uh, spend that time with friends and family. And I know I just got back from vacation and had a two-week hiatus, but uh, I wasn't planning on taking two weeks off there, just one, but uh, you know how that one went. But in any case, uh, I hope that you guys will uh, understand that and I will catch you all back here in the new year. So because this is our last episode for the year, we have, of course, our name for the person who gave me a rating. They provided a review on the uh, show on Cut the Crap Podcast. And because of that, I drew their name and I put it in all the names into a random name generator. And I came up with none other than... Dramatic pause here. Karen McKinnis of New Jersey. So Karen, congratulations. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for your rating, for your review. And I will be in contact with you. Actually, I've probably already been in contact with you since this is aired. But um, I will be in contact with you to get your MacBook Air. So I'm very excited to send that off to you. Every single one of you who put in a rating, who put in a review, you are entered into the draw for next quarter's prize. What that is, I don't know yet. I'll decide over the holidays and I will kick things back up in the new year with that brand new prize. And of course, any entry that you made, if you sent me an email with your uh, rating and your review, you're in that draw. So best of luck to you next quarter and uh, congratulations to Karen. Thank you so much again for that rating and for that review. All right, so what are we doing this week? This week, we're talking to Brian Falchuk about his book, Do a Day, How to Live a Better Life Every Day. And I figure this is a good book for us to really look at as we start creeping into the new year. Why? Because in the new year, we're always looking at New Year's resolutions, how we can better ourselves. Usually, it has something to do with weight loss or finances. I mean, those are probably the top two kind of New Year's resolutions that people are looking at. So for me, I'm really excited to bring Brian on the show because do a day is a great philosophy that I think definitely applies to a lot of you. 
A lot of you are looking to make a change in your life, no matter how big or how small, his philosophy has changed lives. And I'll talk about that in the episode with Brian, so I won't get too in-depth about it. But Brian is one heck of a guy, and I will tell you this right now. Uh, when I read the book, well, I didn't actually read it, but when I listened to the book on audiobook, I, uh, I was touched by Brian's story. And we'll get into that in the podcast. I don't want to go too deep into it, but at a human level, this book really talked to me and really affected me in a, uh, on a deeper level. And... Um, it was just a pleasure to talk to Brian, and I can't wait to, uh, and I can't wait for you guys to get into this. So, you know what? Without further ado, let's crack right into this one before uh, my girl Roxy makes any noise. She just barged into my office with a big bone that she's gonna drop on the floor right now. <laughs> In any case, let's crack right into this one, and I will catch you guys back here at the end of this episode. Enjoy. Brian, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing awesome. Yeah, oh. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I've been looking forward to getting you on the show for quite some time. Um, you and I were talking just before we got on the podcast, and I was just telling you about how I recommended your book to uh, a few people that I felt could really, um, really use the book and use the the content that's w- within it. And I told you as well, too, I'm not a fan of hyperbole, and people on the podcast, they know that I'm not a fan of, of over-exaggerating things, but... Um, when I talk to these people and they come back to me and they say, Ryan, this book really did change my life. I have to listen. And because of that, um, you know, I have to get you on the show, man, to talk about the book because, um, you know, where as, as our listenership grows every single week to me, it's, it's, it's my duty to bring great content, great books out there. And so if it has changed a small number of people's lives in my network, bringing it on the podcast, I know we can affect a lot more change that way. And, um, you know, I think that's exactly what you want to do with this book as well. Yeah, I can't tell you how much that means to hear because that's, I mean, that's the whole reason that I wrote the book. I didn't write it to sell books. Um, You know, I wrote it to try to help people change their lives. And every day I've heard from someone who's reached out, you know, whether it's someone I know that kind of surprised me that they read it or someone, you know, that I've never heard of before. So that, like, that was my purpose. And to hear stories like what you just shared, that means the world to me. So thank you for that. Oh, I love it, man. I absolutely love it. So why don't we just break right into it? So maybe for people who don't know who, uh, who you are and, and what you do, maybe just give us a quick introduction to who you are, a little bit about your story, and then uh, we'll kick it off. Right. So um, you know, by, by day, I'm an executive in a, a financial services company, and I've, I've been in that space for about 20 years now. Um, and that's the last I'll say about that. That's, I think it's really interesting, but you know, that's not why I'm here today, but, uh, it just means that one of the contexts that I have as my background is, you know, high pressure, high stakes, um, business setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but setting that aside, the reason why I'm here and, and the story in the book is a lot about who I am and what being that person has taught me about how to deal with with some pretty serious challenges, overcome them and start achieving the things that, you know, if you want to call them the impossibles of your life, like all the things that you've really been hoping to get to or or wish you had in your life, but have just always seen as, you know, not something for you because you can't. Mm. Um, and, And there's really two pivotal pieces or two key pieces to my backstory that bring me to being able to speak about that and, and led me to writing the book. And the first is the sort of like the ground setting context. And that's who I was growing up. Um, And, you know, I I definitely share this in the book. I'm pretty open and and honest about it all. But um, I was an obese kid and I wasn't obese because I ate too much and moved too little. 
I was obese because I was the youngest of four in a family that um, was being split up through divorce. And, um, you know, kids have this really basic inherent need to feel safe and secure and cared for. Mm. And, you know, my wife sums it all up as just to feel loved. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say I didn't feel loved, but I certainly felt instability in, in the world that I was living in as a little kid. I was like four years old when things started to break apart. And, uh, you know, when you, when you feel that as a, as a, that young of a child, you really don't know what to do with those emotions. And I couldn't really turn to my parents cause they, you know, they had their hands full with the divorce and, and everything going on with that. And there were three other kids in the household. So I turned to something that was always there felt good, wasn't arguing, wasn't moving out, you know, never questioned me or put me down. And that was food. Of course. And, um, I, I was describing myself to someone the other day as the food ninja. And I didn't really think about it much, but like, I love ninjas and I love food. So put them together. And I was like this sneaky little dude. Um, I'm a morning person. And I think actually it developed because I would wake up between like four and five in the morning and tiptoe my way downstairs and like, you know, make my way through the kitchen stealthily and hit those Oreos. And, and I just, I killed them. You know, they had no chance. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I can identify with that, actually. I can identify with that. You know, the funny thing is, little did I know, like, I'm a vegan now, and um, Oreos are actually vegan, which is really funny. No they weren't kidding. back then, but they are basically because there's no actual food in them. That sounds deadly. So it's like, you know, yeah. Um, so maybe that's just foretelling the future. But, yeah. Okay, so it, like that that's my background. And the reality is, I grew up feeling a lot of insecurity. And then I, you know, I was just told like you're needy or you're lazy or you're this, you're that is all of these, you know, like these put downs essentially. Um, and that's my backstory. It's interesting with, with this story in particular. So the one thing I always said about, about, about do or do a day is that it's a very human story that I think a lot of people can identify with. And you know, the, your, your first, so your backstory first off, um, number one, it's very powerful because it, it, it talks about, you know, transformation of a human being, you know, going from one thing to a complete other with focus, with dedication, um, with, with effort, with persistence. You don't lose 100 pounds overnight. It takes no. time to do that. And, and so that, number one, was, was something that, that resonates, you know, within your story. But again, as life goes... Um, despite the fact that you lost that weight, and I'm setting you up here to tell the next, next, next bit of your yes. story here, you know, despite the fact you lost all that weight, you're feeling great about yourself, life, life just always seems to have a way to, to test us. And I'm going to say mm. test us, um, because how we respond to that test says a lot about us as individuals. And so I'll say one more thing before I let you get into this. I didn't actually read your book. I bought the book, but I listened to the audio book. And the audio book okay. was, was narrated by you. And when you were going through the book and telling the story in the very first chapter about, um, about what was going on in your life at that time, I was working out of the gym and I just had to pause it for a second because you were just, it, it just, it, the words came through so strongly um, that it was really tough to listen to. It was really tough to listen to. It's, it's a very um, difficult story. And so I'm, I'm just kind of building it up here now, but yeah. why, why don't you actually go ahead and, and tell everybody about that story and, and, and how that sort of birthed to do a day. And we'll get into that after that, of course. Yeah. So as the lead up to, to this moment that you're alluding to, which was uh, in the summer of 2011, um, you know, I, I put the weight back on because when I went to college, no one knew me. 
So my motivation of not being seen as the fat kid, that was done. No one saw me as a fat kid anymore. People didn't understand why I had self-image issues because they're like, no, he's super fit. Why is he you know, putting his body down or saying he can't do this physical thing or that? So the pressure came off and, you know, then life happened and like I got a job and, you know, started to have income. So you start going out and you know, I, like, what you know, things just happened and, and my priority shifted and the intensity shifted, but I never really had a reason for losing the weight in the first place, a good enough reason. And I, you know, as I said, I never dealt with the underlying problems that were causing it. So I never looked obese again. Um, I always just say like, I just looked American. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> you know, and I, I love that phrase. I'm glad it just hit me one day, but that's the reality is like, I went to uh, Six Flags to the water park in like 2004, right before I started business school. And I was so nervous to take my shirt off. And I looked around, I'm like, oh, I'm, like, you know, I might, I might wish I was thinner or more in shape or, you know, my stomach didn't hang over my, my shorts, but yeah. I still look better than, you know, so many of the people here. It's not a competition, but it's just like my sense funny. of myself is skewed. Like, yeah. I just look like everybody else. Yeah. No one would have looked at me and been like, oh, there's that fat dude. You know, they'd just be like, oh, there's Brian, you know, yeah. no big thing. But I was 45 pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the summer of 2011. I was 32 years old married i had a two-year-old kid and i was 45 pounds overweight and double the body fat of what i have now and um and i was really unhappy so uh you know i was describing it the other day and i didn't put this phrase in the book because it's hit me since writing the book but i think this sums it up i was not living my life i was an employee of it oh wow that's you know? that's that's powerful i really like and, that and and not like like the founder of my own startup employee, like the clock, clock in, clock out, you know, make the donuts kind of mm-hmm. just go through wow. the motions and do what you have to do. And here's another thing hitting you on, in the face. And, you know, who the hell wants to live a life like that? And so then this thing happens in 2011. And, and I know that's what you want me to get to. So I'll jump right into it. And I will say before I do, I've already said, um, you know, just the other day, like my wife could have met this, uh, this coach. The thing in 2011, actually, um, it's incredibly powerful that she could have met him because she was on her deathbed in 2011. So I do want to say she is still alive. And I've actually forgotten to stop and make that point a few times. I've told people the story and you just see their eyes. Of course. <laughs> and, no. and I know this is why you had to, to pause the book, right? Like, yeah. you see, like they're on the verge of tears and they're waiting for me to let them know. And, and they're, I, someone just reached out to me on Facebook who clearly hadn't paid attention to the rest of the interview yeah. uh, for one I did the other day. And she's like, I'm so terribly sorry for your loss. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm still alive. Uh, <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. That, that, that's quite a gift because no that kidding. was not, that was not the way things were shaping up. So summer of 2011, uh, we found out she had a chronic illness and we found out the hard way. So it, it reared its head really viciously. Um, she had had these flare ups over the years and, you know, a day or two later they were gone and, and no one could ever figure it out. And they're like, you know, you must've caught some kind of 24 hour bug. You had food poisoning, you had a short term flu, you're, you know, whatever it was, no one ever put two and two together, looking back on it, knowing what the symptoms are and what she has, like it all makes sense now. Um, and she dealt with this since she was a little kid. So um, she had one of her flare ups and it was like, it was on a Friday. And so I, you know, I left work early. She called me, she's a stay at home mom. So, you know, two year old, like it was tough for her to take care of him. So she's like, can you come home early? I had a clear schedule. So I came home and I'm like, okay, you know, that sucks by Monday. She'll be fine. I'll be back to work. So 
Saturday came, she was worse. Sunday came, she was worse. And I was like, all right, this might be an issue. I woke up uh, Monday morning and um, she was worse. And so I was like, all right, I'll call in, you know, I'll, I'll stay home. And it, the same thing on Tuesday, worse. I was like, all right, I'm just going to take the week off. We'll get you through this, get some doctor's appointments. No one knew what was going on. Um, and it got to a point where June 30th, 2011, she's in bed. She's lost about 20 pounds. She's a little over 100 pounds at this point. Wow. Uh, basically bedridden. And she can't keep food down. And she's losing two pounds every day. And her doctor calls me, her primary care. And he's like, hey, I'm going on vacation for six weeks. I just wanted to let you know, why don't we check in when I'm back? And I... I, I, you know, I just called out the math of the whole thing and I was like, she's not going to be here in six weeks. And he just goes, okay, well you can take her to the ER if you need to. Oh boy. Oh man. Like, that's, that's, a, aren't you supposed to care? Like that's all you have to say about it. Yeah. And then he hung up. Oh. And, um, so I walked into our bedroom and this is when everything came together for me. And this was my, my transformation moment. Um, my son was standing at the foot of the bed, looking at her, you know, looking at mommy in bed, not, not playing with me, not caring for me. Daddy's home from work all the time. I, I was able to get a month of flexible working work, work from home. I worked for a British company. So, you know, I just use like this five hour time zone difference right. to my, my advantage. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's the one thing I'm thankful for about that job as political as it was, I was able to do that. So I'm for thankful sure. there. Um, you know, he and I had a moment where I saw myself where, you know, what what I went through and what I didn't, you know, what I didn't have in terms of that feeling of security and stability. And I wasn't losing my mother or my father. You know, I was I had those things. They were just coming apart, but they were still there. And this little two year old, like he doesn't understand at all what's going on. He just knows like something's very wrong with mommy. Yeah. She doesn't look the same and she's not she's not with me the way she was. And you could see it affecting him. Um, and everything became really clear to me then around my responsibility to him. You know, it looked like just doing the math as I had just done. It was just going to be me and him. Yeah. And, you know, if I wasn't happy with my life before, I wasn't prepared for this. Like, it's one thing if I was 85 and looking at losing my spouse like that, you know. Yeah. We see this a lot in life where people, they experience some of their biggest lessons, their biggest lessons, their biggest moments of growth, um, uh, of revelation when they hit rock bottom, when they hit really difficult times. And again, like I said at the very top, your story is such a human story. And I think that everyone who's listening to it right now um, can really feel what you're going through um, without having to go through it. Um, and yeah. I, think, I think it's just something special about how you're telling the story. And, Thank you. And to me, I, I think, you know, the really cool thing that comes out of this is the do a day philosophy. Um, you know, you're 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 at a point in your life where you look at yourself in the mirror and, and you look at your 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 surroundings and and life as it is right now, and you say, "I have to turn this around." You know, I'm not too sure how. It seems like such an uh, a gigantic task to do it that when you look at it, it just looks so intimidating. And yet you come out of it with a philosophy, the do-a-day philosophy that helps you transform your life into what you are now. So, yeah. you, so lead us through that first. So for people who don't know what do-a-day is, help us understand the do-a-day philosophy. Sure. So there's, there's basically three building blocks that you need in place. And do-a-day is the way that you execute with those in place. 
So the first, and this is not in the book, and again, it's become really clear to me since putting the book out. So I think there's a revised version that will be coming out. Awesome. Um, I, I talk about motivation as the first step, and that's the foundation. But actually, this is the ground that motivation rests on, and that's self-love. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you see yourself as unable, undeserving, you know, uh, not capable, any, any, any un or non then that's that, you know, I always say when people are like, Oh, I can't do this. I'm like, yeah, not with that attitude. And I say it half jokingly, but it's, it's actually true. So, you know, when I saw myself as the fat kid, it didn't matter if anyone else did or didn't, I did. And I defined myself that way. And I, I locked myself in a box as the fat kid who can't. Hmm. So of course, possibilities, opportunities were like, there's no room for those because I haven't allowed them. And Literally everybody I coach, this is a prevailing theme is the self-deprecation that we've all been trained to practice on a regular basis. You know, it's like have someone prepare a meal for you, like go to someone's house for dinner. I don't care if it's family or friends or whatever and compliment them on the food and listen. Do they just say thanks and smile and, and look like they feel good about what you just said and the job that they did? Or do they, well, I kind of overcooked, you know, the chicken or you know, I should have cooked this longer, or I think this needed more. So like they immediately turn to some kind of put down, but you know, everyone puts themselves down. Someone will say how little they slept last night. You know, Oh, I worked so late. I was, you know, I slept four hours last night. And the next person's like four hours hampered, <laughs> you know, like I slept two hours. That's right. Two. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's the ground. And then the foundation of, of the new you is this motivation. And for me, it was thrust upon me. The first podcast I did was with a Navy SEAL who was blown out of his vehicle, left for dead on the side of the road in the desert. That was his, you know, like throw it in your face kind of moment. But you said something really interesting. Like when we hit rock bottom, that's when people really find their purpose, their path forward, you know, the clarity. That's a choice. Mm. And as corny as the like silver linings to any cloud phrase is, it's the God's honest truth. It's up to you whether you want to see it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's so many like my wife is still alive because we both found purpose in what was going on. She lives. She's transformed herself. She grabbed hold of what was going on That's right. when no one else would fix it for her. And, you know, I've I've grasped what was facing me and the truth that that put upon me about what I wasn't doing to live aligned with my purpose and what my intentions were and the fact that like, I wanna actually have a life that I'm in control of and I enjoy. And as hard as it may be, that's actually my choice. That's right. Some people get offended by that idea. It's like, well, I didn't choose for them to do that to me. Mm-hmm. No, of course not, but you certainly chose to let it bother you. That's right. Whether you realize it or not, or whether it was easy or not is a different question. Yeah. But ultimately, it's still a choice. And that's a really hard thing for some people to come to grips with. It's easier when you know what actually matters to you. And that's what motivation is. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, People who listen to the podcast, loyal listeners of the podcast, they know that I have a handful of philosophies that I always say protect me in times of danger or in times of sadness or um, times where, where, where life is just getting very difficult and very tough to handle. And it's a philosophy that I always believe that helps me find that silver lining, which is it's not a setback. It's a setup. And so when people look at things, they say, oh, Ryan, things are going so bad for me. Things are going so wrong and nothing's going right. You know, don't look at that as a setback. Don't look at it as something that's going to hurt you or harm you or, 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 or put you back in life. Look at it as a set up. 
And people say, man, like, it's easy for you to say that when things are going well. No, I say that to myself when, when, when shit's hitting the fan and things aren't so good. Mm. And you have to keep that mindset because it'll help you get through some really tough times. And so, you know, from a motivation standpoint, I always use philosophies as a way to motivate myself to kind of get through things. And everyone kind of looks at motivation differently. And there's this trend out there right now that I don't know why it is this author Mel Robbins has come out and made herself famous by saying motivation is garbage and doing a whole bunch of um, uh, podcasts and shows on that and one day I'm going to get her on the show and uh, and, and, and you have a good debate and we're going to have a very good debate about that because yeah. it's it's bad when you have she goes on interviews and people just agree and they're like, oh yeah, and I agree, motivation's garbage. I mean, I listened to a motivational book or a speech and the next day it's gone. Well, guess what? You're like, I, I showered yesterday and tomorrow I stink. Like, yeah, I got to shower every single day. <laughs> every single day you have to wake up motivated. You have to find something that inspires you if you want to change, if you want to improve. Like, who said motivation was easy? Ah, I read a book and I'm not motivated anymore. It doesn't work. Well, okay. Life doesn't work that way, you guys. So anyway, it's kind of going on a little bit of a tangent here. But when I read that piece about motivation, uh, it really resonated with me because I truly believe that motivation is at the crux of a lot of change in life. And if you're not motivated, it's really difficult to get yourself up and out of bed. And we have to find different ways to motivate ourselves. And what motivates me won't motivate you. And what motivates you right. might not motivate you know, somebody else listening. We all have to explore and find what truly motivates us. And I think that to me is, is, is what's really important and something really important to take away here. Yeah, it's a very personal thing. I actually got into a, a Twitter debate with this guy, Jocko Willink, who's a mm, famous course. Navy SEAL trainer. Yeah. And, and I get his, why his perspective is what it is, but he was like, motivation's too fickle, it's discipline. And, and I get like, in the military, I could see why he'd think that. I think we're just talking about different motivation. Yeah. I would agree with him that m what most people consider their motivation is too fickle. And I, that's what I talk about in the book, like the difference between good and, and not good motivation. I don't want to say bad. Yeah. I want to be negative. But, you know, for a lot of people, it's like my motivation for losing weight was not to be judged as the fat kid anymore. That's about other people's feelings, something external to me. And there's there's nothing profound about that. It's kind of time bound because as soon as I stop being fat or stop being a kid, then where'd it go? You know, it's, I refer to it as like beach season right. or like the high school reunion is, and you know, I just had my, one of my high school reunions a, a few months ago and I didn't feel any like, Oh, I better you know lose weight for that. Cause a, I don't need to. And B who cares? Mm. Like my high school reunion is not a profound moment in my life that I'm going to change my life for. And if I am, what happens when the reunion's over? Exactly. You know, if you want to make a, an ex jealous when you get invited to the <laughs> wedding by how great you look, well, okay, and the wedding's over, and then what? Or like a lot of people lose weight for their weddings. Mm -hmm. um, you know, get in shape. You get a personal trainer. Like that's a great, like that New Year's is New Year's resolutions. Like great times for personal trainers and gyms. Of course. And then the wedding passes, and like three days after New Year's is, is done, and no one's doing anything. So that's right. That I, I agree with him there. I think we're just talking about different motivations. I'm talking so. about the real deep down thing. And I would argue those people who he's giving credit for being disciplined, the military people he's worked with, they do have a true underlying motivation and it's tied to their values and it's tied to serving and, you know, maybe some demons that are loose in their brain mm -hmm. that they're trying to work through that they don't know about yet. But it's not it's not as simple as blind discipline. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that it, it takes time to build discipline, but what gets you to that place of discipline? I think motivation gets you there. And I'll give you an example right here myself. I mean, um, 
you know, I have this thing of waking up at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. And, and, and kickstarting, you know, the workday by going to the gym. Um, how did I do that? Was I just disciplined? Ah, sorry, I wasn't disciplined. I had to force my ass out of bed. I had to drag it out of bed. So I had to find a way to do it because, you know how often I looked at the time and I was like, screw it. I'm, I'm going mm-hmm. back to bed. I'm staying in bed till 7.30. I'm going to get that extra two and a half hours of sleep. I did that so much until I found something that motivated me. Music. I love music. So every single time I'd wake up at five o'clock and before, you know, my mind started playing tricks on me, I popped that music in my ear, woke myself up, got me going. I was like, hey, well, the music motivated me. But then what else motivated me? It was looking at myself, you know, six, seven years ago and saying, I want to get back there. I want to get back mm. there. So I need a reason to get, I need a reason to wake up in the morning. So I used music. I looked at pictures of myself seven years ago and kind of looked at myself in disgust now and said, well, you know, like I need to get back to, to the shape I am. And, you know, uh, that was maybe like a year ago. And so now it's just like I'm in the best shape of my life. And it was because I was motivated. Now I'm disciplined. However, you know, it didn't start off as discipline. It started off as motivation. And I would argue still that I still yeah. have the motivation because now my motivation changes. My motivation changes all the time. Now it's like, how do I get my family going? And now I have to be a... Uh, somebody who's an inspiring figure for other people in my family or my friends or my network. And that now motivates me to keep going. Yeah. You know, so yeah. they're, they're two different things. I feel like we can argue about, about the semantics of it, but um, you know, everyone's got their own opinion depending on what worldview they come from. Obviously military guy, he's going to talk about discipline and totally you know, some depends on where they come from. But in yeah. any case, I, I want to get back to the do a day because people who are listening right now, you know, Brian, let's just, uh, you know, call it what it is. There's people out there right now who are struggling. And the people yeah. are right now who are dealing with some really heavy stuff, some difficult stuff, and I want them to leave this podcast truly understanding what do a day is. Um, yeah. So help us understand what do a day is. Yeah. So once you've got your motivation, then you point it to what you want to achieve in life. And for me, waking up that first day, the first thing I faced was I gotta I gotta get back to a healthy weight because I'm not a good example for my son. I don't feel good for me. And I'm not living, you know, in line with uh, with my responsibilities to him. Like he's watching his mother die, and his father's dying too, just at a slightly slower rate. Mm. And that's not okay. So I woke up with this purpose. I set a goal immediately. I was like, I know what my weight should be. I was two two twenty two that morning, July first, and uh, I was. I said, is you know, July first by December thirty first, I want to be one eighty five. And that's just about where, where my weight should be. It's right in the range. Um, and it's, you know, it's about 40 pounds. It's, it's a real amount. It's not lose three pounds. Like, I don't know how you lose three pounds. It's real. I got to do some planning. I have to keep myself on point. It's going to take work, but it's not a hundred pounds again, but it's real. Mm-hmm. And I used that. I tracked it every day. Every morning I woke up with that intention, with that focus. And the focus came from, my my values like what what drives me and it drove me to the achievement of that goal and i didn't get there i got to 180 by my birthday in october Hmm. so i did better than my goal in a shorter amount of time because i I last on in my purpose and that's where it really started to hit me what how am i living my life differently i didn't have the name do a day for it yet but i understood something was different and what i realized was and this is what the philosophy really is Every day you wake up and you can do one of two things. You can either stay aligned to your purpose and the direction you've set it in, those goals. And you can choose actions that are specifically tied to that outcome through the power of your motivation. Hmm. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. 
and it doesn't matter what you still have to do tomorrow, you can still take an action today that's tied to achieving your goals. And, and it's the yesterday and tomorrow piece that actually are where the power lies. We spent, and this goes back to self-love, we spent so much time judging either what we did before, what we wished we did before and didn't, or what was done to us. And we carried the weight and the judgment of that into today. You know, you, you made a bad decision yesterday. You've lost 15 of the 20 pounds you want to lose. And it was, you know, someone's birthday at work and you all went out to the bar and you had a beer and two nachos and you ran home <laughs> crying because you ruined everything. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, this is like, this is a true story. This stuff happens. Or you had, you know, you had a, a piece of birthday cake because it was Janice and accounting's birthday. And, you know, you shouldn't have, but you did. You had two bagels, like whatever the story is that you're yeah. beating yourself up for. But then you went home. You beat yourself up all night. You woke up in your morning in the morning and you said, well, screw it. I've ruined everything. So now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have this Danish and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you eat, you know, like a hog the whole day. <laughs> Guess what? You threw nothing away last night in the grand scheme of the 15 pounds you lost. You had already lost. You know, maybe that's like a quarter of a pound. It's irrelevant. You that's already right. have the tools to get back on track. That's and who right. said that? Making a choice for your social well-being, your emotional well-being, and keeping human connections is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. You're just framing it negatively. But look, it happened. And just because it happened, it doesn't mean it has to continue to happen unless you let it. So when you bring the judgment and the negativity of what you did yesterday into today, and you taint your ability to act today because of that negativity, then you've thrown it away. And you'll never get to your goal. And by the same token, if you, you know, someone's like, well, you know, I did an extra half an hour of cardio yesterday, so I can, I can do this. <laughs> or, you know, if you're, if you're trying to save to buy a house, it's like, well, yesterday I didn't eat out. So I'm going to buy myself, you know, the, a new Apple watch. <laughs> it's like, wait, so you didn't, you didn't spend $7 on a sandwich yesterday. So it's like, you're, you're giving yourself credit for something yesterday and bringing that forward and making a decision today that you probably shouldn't make because you're you're letting the past dictate it. Hmm. So it can be for good or bad reasons. And then the future side of it, the tomorrows, that's a really easy thing to grasp in the context of weight loss. I, I busted my hump when I was trying to lose 100 pounds. Hmm. I'd go through a week and I'd be like one to two pounds lighter. Hmm. And, and you look at that and you're like, you know, how am I supposed to keep this up? I'm burnt out. And I still have 98 pounds to lose. <sighs> Right. Like, you know how daunting and depressing that is? Mm. Well, guess what? You said it right at the opener. You don't lose 100 pounds in a day. That's right. And that sounds cheesy, but there is no single day in my journey to lose either that first 100 pounds or the 40-ish I had to lose the second time around when I had to lose all of those pounds right then and there. There's no, there's no stride I took running, no you know, pedal I pedaled biking. That was going to lose all that weight. Mm. It was the sum total of... You know, today I just have to wake up and make the right decisions in pursuit of my goal. Today I have to wake up and not go out for lunch and not go, you know, on a break, not go shopping with my friends if mm -hmm. I'm trying to save for a house. Or, you know what, if I go on to whatever website it is, I'm probably going to end up buying something. So I'm just not going to go there today. Like make the choices in each day in support of your goals without the weight and the judgment and the negativity and, you know, all of it from yesterday or the anxiety from what still lies ahead. Because when you make your choices from that place of insecurity, that's really what we're talking about, mm -hmm. you make bad choices. So do a day is that mindfulness in each day to take a specific action, that's why it's do, it's not just like experience a day, 
or be there for a day. It's do, like do something on that path to your goals. And that's really empowering. Stop, stop weighting yourself down with impossibility because of the anxiety of all that you have to do and just go and do it. And what you usually find is it's way more possible than you ever imagined. And you grow so much through the process when you take that mindful, positive, uh, you know, capable approach to achieving it. That's right. And I think it's really interesting to, to note that just humans in general, like we are, we are interesting creatures in the fact that we like to play games in our own mind and we get lost in our own mind sometimes and we intimidate ourselves and we tend to look at the long term of it and we say, oh my God, that's way too difficult to do. I can't do that. Yeah. The whole philosophy of do a day for me is powerful because it's just, listen, take action today. Do your absolute best today. What can you do today to move forward on that goal? Okay. Succeed right. this day and celebrate it. And then tomorrow, do another day. Do another day. It's, it's, it's a simple philosophy and yet it's very difficult to do as well. And for um, my one friend who I shared this book with, what they actually did was they actually printed up an eight and a half by 11 and they put the logo on there and they just said, do a day. And they put their goal underneath there and they put their reason for, for wanting to achieve that goal, their why. And that to them is just them waking up first thing in the morning, looking at the mirror, remembering today, I just got to do a day. I got to move forward on my goal. And that's what they're focusing on just today for crying out loud. That's all I want to focus on. And that's what I'm going to dominate. And yeah. as they keep doing that, they start seeing results. And they're, they, so for them, it's, it's a weight loss thing as well. Um, and they're losing weight and they're keeping up on it. Now, there's some days they wake up and they do a day and they didn't do that day very well. And they say, ah, shit, you know, I missed out. I didn't kill it today. But it's okay because tomorrow I'm going to do a day tomorrow. And I'm just like, I love that philosophy, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so powerful because it's so simple. And I think Steve Jobs said it best. You know, simple is hard. Simple is hard. As human beings, we like to overcomplicate things. We make things harder than they have to truly be. Do a day is a very simple philosophy that we can follow um, to help us create change in our lives. This will be the last podcast that I do before the end of the new year. I'm taking the, uh, the two weeks off. Um, for, for Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, I spent a lot of time with family and so I'm really looking forward to it. So this is going to be the last podcast of 2017. So, um, you know, I want to encourage everybody to go out there and pick up Do A Day. It's a very quick read. It's a short read, um, but a very impactful read. And I think that if you're looking for a way to, um, you know, New Year's resolutions are, 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 are all the rage, you know, as the New Year kicks off. And if you're really looking to create lasting change, this book might be the catalyst that'll help you do that. And um, Brian, I got to thank you so much for coming on the show today and uh, sharing your personal stories with us. To me, like I said, you know, when I read the book and or when I listened to the book on, 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 uh, on audio, um, that was what resonated with me. It was a very human story, and uh, but very powerful at the same time. And I got to thank you for coming on the show and sharing all that with, uh, with myself and, uh, of course, Cut the Crap uh, Podcast Nation. That's awesome, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. And, and again, like hearing hearing how you feel about it and those around you feel about it. That's the whole purpose. So I, uh, I, I think I probably got more out of this than, than you may have, and you may disagree with me, but I'm, I'm on high right now. I really appreciate that. I, Thank I, you. I love it, man. I, really quickly, uh, for anybody who wants to get in touch with you, uh, how can they go about doing that or, or read, read more of what you're doing? Yeah. So you can, I, I put everything together on the do a day book website. So it's doadaybook.com. All my social links are there. Um, I write for Inc magazine every week. Um, and you can, you can get to ink through, uh, through my website or you can search for me on ink. Um, 
And I'm working on my second book. And I will be launching my podcast next year, and I would love to have you on, and I'll say that on the air to force you so you don't have a choice. Uh, I'm there. I'm there, baby. I'm there. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm I'm everywhere, and and I'm doing a TED Talk in March in New Jersey for anyone in that area, and I'll be posting about that um, on my site. But yeah, I want to hear from people. I want to hear how you're doing it. Please share it with me, and um, just anyone I can inspire, that means the world to me. So hopefully, you know, this is a, a great way to share that with people. Absolutely. Brian, thank you so much again, man. Thank you very much, Ryan. Take care. All right. There we have it. That's Do a Day, How to Live a Better Life Every Day by Brian Falchuk. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. It means a lot to me that you did. I can't wait for your podcast to launch so I can be on there and uh, help support you as well too, my friend. So thank you. And thank you to every single one of you who tune in every single week to listen to the podcast. You have no idea how much it means to me that you tune in and you share your experiences of listening to the podcast with me, how it's affected your life. To me, this is such an awesome year to have an opportunity to connect with so many of you, to see the podcast grow. In 2018, in January, this will be the third year that Cut the Crap Podcast has um, has been around, and it's going to just continue to grow and take on a life of its own. But one thing that I am committing to in 2018 is making it easier to communicate with me, making it easier to communicate with you. And you'll definitely see some changes from me and you'll see a lot more Cut the Crap podcast on the social networks, whether it's Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, what have you. Definitely, I encourage all of you to follow me on LinkedIn, Ryan Caligiuri. Follow me on Instagram, Ryan Caligiuri. It's very easy to find me. And uh, connect with me. Follow me along throughout the day. See when I wake up at 5 a.m. and uh, what I'm doing all day. And uh, to me, it's just an opportunity to connect with all of you. So in any case, on that note... I would just like to, uh, again, thank you so much for being such fans of the show. And I can't wait to get back here in 2018 when I have brand new business books, new interviews with authors. And of course, I'm just here every single week just trying to save you all a little bit of time. Have yourselves a great holiday. Whatever it is you celebrate, just make sure it's happy and make sure it's great and it's filled with awesome, awesome memories. I love you all and I'll catch you back here very soon. Take care, everybody. dreams and goals we had at one stage in our life but very few people ever start to live those because obviously obstacles come up somebody stabs you in the back something doesn't work out and the frustration for most people becomes overwhelming but then there's also just the fear there's the fear of failure there's the fear of getting your hopes up again and you know you have to get your hopes up you're going to be disappointed so often in life but disappointment can be turned into drive or disappointment can destroy you everybody's afraid at some level that they're not enough in some context not smart enough, not pretty enough, not strong enough, not rich enough, not funny enough. Now you may not be feeling that right now in your life, but we all feel that. People tell me I've tried everything. I say, name the things you've tried. Well, I've tried millions of things, name them. Well, tens of thousands, name them. 
Well, thousands, name it. Well, these three things that don't work, I keep doing. What's an area of your life right now that you really want to improve? What's an area that's important to improve? If your body's great, how about your career? If career's great, how about your relationships? Intimate one especially, or your kids, or your relationship with your creator, spiritual side of your life, or is it your finances? Doing affirmations is not gonna change your life. You gotta go see where the weeds are and pull them out. My point is simple. You gotta see what the problem is, but you can't make it so horrific that you just give up. Who you spend time with is who you become. Uh, and getting yourself in proximity with people that are succeeding, even if you have to work for free for somebody, getting the environment around them, it rubs off on you. You begin to think like they think. You begin to see what the opportunities are. Our bodies are a reflection of our physical standards. They are not a reflection of our desires. Many, most people have a desire for more energy or a better body or a stronger body or a more fit body. We don't get our goals, we get our musts. Your income right now is a result of your standards as well. It's not the industry and it's not the economy. If there's anything that'll shift your life, that'll get you to thrive in a difficult situation, is take some massive action. Try something else. Change it, try it, move it. Progress equals happiness. If you can start to make progress, if you can get yourself going, even if it's not perfect, if it doesn't work, you know what to do, just change your approach. If that doesn't work, change your approach. So often in life, people don't begin the journey because they're not quite sure what to do or how to do it right or how to do it perfect. You want to change your body? Get yourself moving. Don't wait for the perfect trainer. Just go out there and move. Put on your shoes and move and get momentum. I'm going to turn this situation around. I'm not going to sit back and, and moan and cry over what happened and what went wrong and who did what. I'm going to do something about this situation. The other thing is take full responsibility for your life. Accept where you are and the responsibility that you're going to take yourself where you want to go. Someone said we have two primary choices in life. We can either accept conditions as they exist or we can take the responsibility to change them. See, a lot of people want to exempt themselves from taking responsibility. All they want to do is talk about the problem. Every time you see them, they'll tell you their story over and over and over and over again. No, no. You want to take responsibility for your life. I got me here, I can get me out of this. And I'm getting out. I'm not going to be a volunteer victim. And so all you're looking for are new breakthroughs through practice and practice and practice. You'll get better and better and better. And there's still some things that will happen to you that will catch you on the blind side that you did not anticipate. You'll get knocked down, but you won't be knocked out. And so I say to you, it's possible you can live your dream if it's becoming a diamond, if it's having more, it's achieving more, it's being a better father, being a better mother, whatever it is, overcoming addiction, changing our society. It's possible you can live your dream. It's necessary that you have a plan of action, that you're resilient, that you stick to, and you work with the system, that you work with people, that you give support, and that you be there for them, that you have the vision and never give it up, that you become creative and relentless and keep on coming back again and again and again, and that it's you that you've got to take personal responsibility to make it happen, and that it's hard, easy is not an option, and when life knocks you down, jump back up and say, it's not over until I win.